welcome to the Impact Church podcast. I'm a little happier than normal. I don't know why. No, I do. Tis the season to be joyful. That's the sermon today. It's tis the season to be joyful. I love Christmas time. If you can't get happy Christmas, come on, get on down here and get some prayer. But we're going to minister today about joy. I want to talk to you out of First John when uh, John was talking about his relationship with Jesus and how it impacted him and how that same joy, that same fullness of joy that he had, that joy can flood and fill you. So come on, come on and get happy. Let's get into the Word. I'm actually a little shaky still after worship. I don't know. Did you ever get a little shaky after worship? Ooh, got, got some goosebumps on my goosebumps, and I'm kind of like, ooh, ooh, still got a little shiver action going on. Yeah. Hey, do you know, uh, did you ever wonder how they knew how many pounds Jesus was when he was born? Hey? Madeline? Did you ever wonder? You don't need to wonder anymore, because away in a manger, no crib for a bed. There was a way in the manger. There was a way. Now, my wife told me that one would crash. It would just go boom, you know. And I said, I don't know. I think we got some really smart people here. But, but uh, let me try it again. Because <laughs> there was a way in a manger, no crib for a bed. Wow, wow. There's, was that Madeline? No, who was that? Who, who was that? <laughs> I thought Madeline had a week off. She's refreshed. She's, she's just feeling good, you know. So, all right, listen, uh, letters to Santa Claus. How many ever wrote a letter to Santa? You... I'm not like yesterday. I mean, like when you were a kid or something, you ever wrote a letter? Yeah. All right, you know, so letters to Santa. This is interesting, eh? This was an actual face mask. So now you can get a nativity on your face mask. How many have a specialized face mask here today? No, just what's that back there? You've got one on. Is it uh, blue and red? Is well, what's on your mask there? Flowers. Very nice. So you don't have to have just the flat blue or whatever. You can actually get creative, right? And if you got a blue one, get a marker, design, do something with it. But look, you can get the nativity scene on a mask. Now, now look at this. You can get a nativity scene with masks. So. You can actually order that. Pretty neat, eh? So your nativity scene. So you can get the nativity scene on a mask. You can get the nativity scene wearing masks. Or you can get a nativity scene made of masks. Whoever thought you'd be spending a Christmas like this twice? Like the second one. Who thought? Come on. I got, you know what I got? I got to speak on today. Tis the season to be joyful. But I'm not happy. But I am joyful. I am joyful. Now I think about Karen. You know, Karen's got joy. But right now there's things. Because happy comes from the root of happening. Happen. And happy is a consequence of circumstances. And sometimes the circumstances, excuse my language, they suck. And it's nasty when, like, here I am. Just the season to be joyful. Fa-la-la-la-la. 
It's crazy. People are getting emails from their family that you have to have your certificate, that you're vaxxed before you come and get a test. Like, there's, there's crazy things going on. There's families saying, well, I'm not doing that. Well, you're not coming. It's just become a really strange season with all this stuff. I'll be happy to have this in my rearview mirror. I'm still wondering what's going on because I have all power and all authority. COVID, you must go now in the name of Jesus. Done. Merry Christmas. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, man, I've been shouting that for a while. I, I do believe it's done. The timing isn't quite exactly the way I'd hoped. But letters to Santa. Letters to Santa. <laughs> you can't see this one, so let me read it for you. It's, uh, dear Santa, how are you? Well enough chit-chat. Let's get down to business. This year I want a big space Lego set. I want some jelly beans. I want a shark jacket and a hat. I want an AK-47 assault rifle and my Nintendo game. Yeeks. Dear Santa, dear Santa, I would like some Taylor Swift tickets. I would also like clothes from Nordstrom and a boyfriend, XOXO, Sarah. How many want a boyfriend for Christmas? I see that hand. Yes. Barb, in Jesus' name. Uh, dear Santa, we got another one here. We got a, this one's a long one. You probably can't read it all, so I'll, I'll read it for you. All right, so, so. Dear Santa, I don't want all the other nine things on the list. I, I read another one. I didn't put it up, but dear Santa, my father, he's got the list. He'll text it to you. <laughs> I just thought that was good. Wow, high-tech Christmas. So, but this one is, don't, I don't want all the other nine things on my list I sent to my father, my dad. I only want the puppy. Every time I think about not getting a puppy, it makes me sadder and sadder. I just want the little puppy. Actually, I think this was written by Cheryl. <laughs> just one. And I'm asking for all I'm asking for is one little puppy, perhaps a Labrador or a German Shepherd or a Husky. Thank you. If I discover the puppy in the box under the tree, thanks, Emily. <laughs> Cheryl's not happening. <laughs> okay. I got another one for you. Uh, Dear Santa, can you get this deal with 1,200 commissioners put together quickly? I'm not good at waiting for stuff. Thanks, T. Carl. So... <laughs> Actually, I have written to Santa. Just yesterday, so, so I am not good at waiting. Now, just I want to keep you updated. We don't get a chance to meet and update all the time, so I got to use sermons as a little bit of, you know, current events. And uh, let's go back to 2019. Uh, we were looking for a new place, and we looked at a bunch of properties, and we even put an offer on one property, and maybe we should have offered more. I don't know, but we didn't get that. And then we started looking at leasing. We settled on this place at 1,200 commissioners. We talked with them, and I asked them to please make sure that we could do church and have a congregation there, and they checked it with their architect, and they said yes. So we spent some time negotiating, came up finally with a deal that we settled on, and I said, can we reconfirm with the city that we can do this? And the email, I have email at 1045, a response at almost noon, 
the architect said, I just called the city. She has a a uh, timestamp on her uh, phone bill of when she called the city, and she said the city confirmed that it's okay to do what we're doing there. And I said, okay, I just want to be sure. So we negotiated a lease, we sold our building, we moved over here, we're ready to transition. I had contractors ready to go when I was leaving for vacation, ready to start doing all the renovations. We sent in our drawings, I paid $10,000 for a building permit, three hours later I got an email, you can't do that. I went, what? So how many are caught up with me so far? So that was rather shocking because I said, I thought we'd already dealt with that, right? And they said, no. I said, well, we called the city. And they said, yes. Our architect said, I did what I always do. I talked to you at the city. I get it. That's been standard practice. They say, who'd you call? She says, I don't remember the name of the person. But anyways, they're standing on, we don't know who said what, but we don't agree. You can't do church there. So we've had several meetings since then. I've tried to keep calm. Paul, who's here, he's a lawyer, he's done some work with us, and we got an opinion from a, another planner who said what they want to do is well within the determination and the, and the code of the zone, and it it's, makes total sense for them to do it. Most people I talk to who uh, you know, have a pulse say it's a great idea, so, uh, but the city still refuses, but they've decided to come up with a compromise where we can begin to do the fitting of the location for us to do church at the same time as we apply for a zoning amendment. So this will take at least four months. If we did the zoning and then did the refit, it would take eight months. So I'm kind of in a hurry, so four months is better than eight months. The risk is that somebody in that area has 20 days to appeal the decision and they could say, we don't want a church there and for some dumb reason, somebody might agree. So that's the only risk we have. A lot of people are feeling like, let's go for it. And uh, so I'm going to go back to Barbados for four months. <laughs> Turning off my phone and I hope everything goes well. No, that's just, I, that actually was what I was dreaming about last night. But uh, but that is, looks like what we're going to do. They are going to walk it into a meeting on Thursday. They're going to try to accelerate this as best they can. So in their minds, they're being incredibly helpful. And in my mind, I'm uh, yielding to it because uh, it seems to be the way and path of least delay. So we're going to believe the God. We still, though, have the landlord has to agree to that because he's also has to embrace the risk that we're gonna spend a bunch of money and possibly have a problem. So he actually has to agree with this as well, and I haven't heard back from them on that yet. So, how exciting is our world? <laughs> Lots to pray about. If you go home, drive over there, drive through the community and say, peace, be still, and let's just believe for the very, very best, and we'll keep you informed, all right? So you are absolutely, totally up to date. All right. Very good. All right. So, uh, you know, usually I'm in a pretty good mood at Christmas. This year there's things happening that have dealt with my happy quotient a little bit. But you know what? Whenever I think about Christmas, I feel a lot of joy. I really do. And Christmas is all about joy. Can I get an amen? amen. 
Luke chapter 1, 44 and 45 says, The moment you came into the door and greeted me, my baby danced inside me with joy. Great favor rests on you, and you have believed because you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. Now, this is Mary went to visit her aunt Elizabeth to tell her that, you know, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. When she walked in the door, John the Baptist was in the womb of Elizabeth. And when she walked in the door, John the Baptist did a dance in, in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth went, whoa, this is a season. Even the baby in my womb is jumping for joy. This is a season. This is an announcement that brings incredible, incredible joy. Joy, joy. Matthew 2.10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They went to Herod because they said the king, a new king, a king of kings is going to be born in Israel. We want to worship him. We want to acknowledge him. They came with tractor trailer loads of gifts and they just came with whole armies. They traveled and the city was troubled because why are these kings coming to our city? They came to see Jesus and Herod said, gee, I don't know what you're talking about. When they left, the star appeared and took them to Bethlehem and they saw Jesus and they were flooded with exceed, not just joy, but exceeding great joy this season is a season of ridiculous joy are you feeling the joy are you feeling the joy feeling the joy all right so let me go on luke chapter 2 10 to 11 the angel said don't be afraid like when an angelic host fills the sky angels everywhere oh it's a good thing first thing they said is don't be afraid it's all good don't be afraid i'm here to announce announce a great and a joyful event. I'm here to announce that it is meant for everybody worldwide. This is a story. This is not just a story. It's his story, his story. It's the story of God so loving mankind that he became one with them, attached himself to us forever, brought us into union with himself. This is something the whole world needs to hear. It's for the whole world, and it's going to bring great joy to the whole world world. A savior has been born in David's town. He's a savior. He's the Messiah and he's the master. Can I get an amen? All right, John chapter 1, 1 John. Now, in 1 John, what we have here is, yes, this is the Bible. Yes, St. John wrote these epistles. But who is John? John was Jesus' best earthly friend. He was the guy he hung out with. He was the guy he spent the most time with. He was the guy he shared his most intimate details of life with. It was this John. It was the guy that he, he fought with. He laughed with. He told jokes to. They, they had fun with. They fished together. It was his very, very best earthly friend who's writing to us now and he's telling us about Jesus. Jesus' absolute best friend who walked an incredible revelation of who Jesus Jesus was is ready to tell us some stuff about him. How many think that's a good thing to pay attention to? It's that guy. It's that very guy. He's got some stuff to tell us. And he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which our eyes have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and we declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifest to us. 
I'm telling you, I was Jesus' closest earthly friend. He was manifest to me. I saw him. I looked upon him. I heard him. I touched him. It was manifest. The very life of God itself, we live in its presence every day. Ha! He says, I want to tell you about that which was manifested, that which we have seen and that we have heard, we declare to you. Why? We declare it to you that you may have fellowship. I'm saying this to you not to just give you a history lesson and tell you about my closest friend. I'm saying this to you because I want you to experience the same intimacy and union with him that I have. And it's yours as well. And I want to make this disclosure very, very clear to you so you can walk in it as well. It says, truly, the fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. These things I write to you that your joy may be, that you might have the full, absolute, powerful measure of joy. So he's basically saying, Jesus, Jesus loves me. I touched him. I experienced him. He was manifesting. You know, Jesus loves me. And I want you to know the love. I want to experience tangibly love. He's not sharing a theological paper telling you about a, a God who was way up there. It is a guy, just like you and me, telling you about his very best friend who happened to manifest that he and the Father are one. A man came and manifested himself to me. A guy just like you and me. He was God, very God. And he manifested himself to me so that we can have absolute union and fellowship with him. And what I experienced, you can too. Even in 2021, in the middle of COVID, you can experience what John experienced with his very best friend. I'm writing this to you because you can have the same intimacy with Jesus that I had. Ha! Ha ha! If that don't bring you joy, I want to pray for you right after. Sometimes I think we look at the Bible. It's the Holy Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. This is a real guy, John, who's not trying to write some theological wonderful thing to be read in lovely sermons and read in churches and sung by choirs through the centuries. He's telling you, my best friend was God in the flesh. And he came so that we could be brought into union with him so that now you, the Father, the Holy Ghost, Bob, Fred, Susie, Joyce, Ralph, we are in absolute community with the most beautiful community in the world. We have been brought into oneness with the Trinity. The most beautiful relationship that exists is God with himself. And now he is God with us. And he's God in us. And now we are in God. And we are baptized into the most amazing community that ever existed. And that was always his eternal purpose for us. I want you to know that. I want you to feel it. I want you to live out of that reality right now. I'm trying really hard to help you understand what Jesus' best friend was trying to tell us. Look at it. Let's look at it. You ready? So John, in John 19, verse 26 to 27, Jesus is on the cross. Now think about this. Think about it. I mean, the cross. Like, nailed to the cross. First of all, beaten to death. I mean, how he was even still alive. I mean, he was a broken mess. 
He was, it says you couldn't even recognize that it was actually a man. It was just a, a lump of flesh hanging on a cross, and yet absolutely, totally conscious that he was on a mission to redeem mankind. And in the middle of him redeeming the world, being conscious, being absolutely aware to cover every detail of your redemption, in the middle of that, he says, John, buddy, dude, my mom, John, do me a favor, would you please? Take care of my mom. It's going to be a nasty loss and a hurt. Would you do me a favor? I trust you, John. Please make my mom your mom. While he's on the cross paying the cost of what sin did to mankind, absorbing it all once and for all, he's still taking responsibility as a son. Wow. And John was the guy that he talked to from the cross he said, take care of my mom, will you? Wow. Wow. Would you take care of my mom? So we see there's a very, very personal God, a very loving God, a very incredible, responsible God. So let's look back at just John 1, 1 John 1, all right? First of all, Jesus was God manifest. He says what was was manifest. John in his epistle, he said, so the word became human and made his home among us. We, his full and unfailing love and faithfulness, we have seen this. We've seen his glory, the glory of the Father in his one and only Son. So first thing John wants you to know is he was manifest, God in Jesus Christ, he was manifest us in every single way. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God but the unique one, that one, Jesus. He himself, being God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So he is absolutely, Jesus came to absolutely manifest himself. And John says he totally revealed to us. He absolutely manifests to us God. Jesus is the clear revelation of God. He was personally John says, this isn't a theory, this isn't a, a possible way of living your life, this isn't a philosophical way to approach the world. This is a person of the Godhead, Jesus himself, he was made manifest to me, and I want you to know it absolutely did happen. Wowzers, wowzers, he was personally revealed to me. If whatever you believe does not go through the filter of Jesus, if Jesus would not approve of what you're thinking or your approach to life, then it's not God. Some people do have a Jesus of their own making, though, and they have religious filters, all kinds of societal filters, all kinds of things. We have our own biases, our own filters, but we really got to be led by the Spirit of God. We got to let the Spirit of Christ really call every single issue. And, you know, if it doesn't look like Jesus, even when you're reading the Old Testament, when you're reading stuff back there that doesn't look like Jesus, it's probably not. It's probably a part of a history, a part of their culture, a part of God trying to communicate in their world. And they're writing about what they believe they're experiencing with God. But when God wanted to speak very clearly and absolutely, the perfect manifestation of God is Jesus. And you got to filter everything through Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself said that. When he went through the old covenant and he wanted to reveal on the road to Emmaus what was happening, he said to those two guys, I'm going to take you through the old covenant and I'm going to show you myself on every page. That's why it was written to show us Jesus. That's the purpose. It's not written to be something that we use as a tool to beat people up or narrow people or marginalize others. It was written so we would see Jesus. Hallelujah. How are you guys doing? All right. Good, good. All right. So let's, let's move on. 
Second thing, he says, we didn't just have a manifestation of him. We personally experienced the manifestation. It wasn't just something that happened. It was something that happened to us. It was something that personally happened to us. Look what he says. He says, we have heard him. We have have heard him. That word means to attend to, to consider what has been said, to understand, to perceive the sense of what was said. So, so we heard him. See, see, some of you are hearing me, but you're not really hearing me. Some of you are listening, but you're not hearing me. He's saying, we heard him. We really perceived. We really deeply interacted with the intention of what he was saying. We engaged with the word of life. We heard him. He didn't talk like anybody else. I mean, when he talked, he had authority. When he talked, people would walk for three days without meals. They would walk for three days, have no meals, and still be standing there in absolute awe of his word. People who came to arrest him would just walk away and go, what? Because this guy's got authority. He doesn't speak like anybody else we know. When he spoke, people paid attention. When he spoke, sinners came running towards him and going, I don't know what's going on, but I feel loved. Demoniacs ran towards him. Chief sinners ran towards him. People climbed trees to try to see him because when he spoke, it touched something in your heart and made you feel, I don't know what's going on, but his words make me feel great. He could preach for three days straight and I wouldn't even get tired. Wow, we heard him. We heard the very life of God. We heard him, something different. I mean, when he, when he spoke, when, when the Pharisees spoke, we felt rotten about ourselves. When he spoke, we felt good. When the Pharisees spoke, we felt condemned and were such losers. When he spoke, I don't know why, but I, I never thought about my failings. I thought about all I could think about was how much he loves me. When, when the Pharisees spoke, God was opposed to me. When he spoke, God was for me. He loved me. You've never lived an unloved moment. When the Pharisees spoke, I wanted to quit church. When he spoke, I went, where are you going to be tomorrow? He turned it all upside down. God is in the neighborhood and he's nuts about you. And his words were attractive. They were beautiful. They were intoxicating, saturated with a kiss of the grace and the mercy of God. Please, settle down. He said, we heard him, but then he says, we've seen him. It means to stare at him, to discern clearly, to see with the mind, to perceive and to know. I mean, he did some amazing things. I mean, we're at a wedding. They ran out of wine. He said, bring six pots, fill them with water. Draw some, take it to the master. We're like, what's he doing? All of a sudden, the master says, this is the best wine ever. He turned the water into wine. We saw that happen. It was like, man, it was crazy stuff. I mean, he, he walked through. We're in the middle of a storm. He's sleeping. It drooling. I'm like, don't you care if we die? And he's just, just out. But he woke up. And he said, what's the problem with you guys? Speak to this thing. Peace. Be still. We saw that. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I mean, one time he came walking to us in the middle of a storm, and Peter said, if that's you, tell me to come. He said, come. Peter walked on his word to come, and he walked out to him, and then Peter went, what the heck am I doing? And Jesus picked him up, brought him back to the boat, and instead of letting him drown in his fear and doubt and unbelief. We saw stuff that just shook our world, blew our mind. We saw a full, incredible manifestation of God. So we have seen him. We've seen him. It says, but we've looked upon him. We've looked upon him. We, we saw how he encountered people. You see, there was a woman caught in adultery, and Jesus 
they brought her naked before him. And she's shaking. She knows that death is imminent. And Jesus goes through this dialogue with the Pharisees and said, let him without sin throw the first stone. He didn't say, yeah, you're wrong. He said, okay, well, let the sinless person start chucking stones. The only qualified person was him. And he said, I don't condemn you. Go and leave a life of sin. Sin's nasty. Sin will wreck your world. Don't live like that anymore. But I don't condemn you. I mean, he's just the Zacchaeus climbs a tree and he walked up and he knew he knew his name and he, he the biggest nastiest sinner there's sinners then there's tax collectors then there's chief tax collectors like that's its own category of evil and jesus hung out with evil people he hung out with people that we said you shouldn't you shouldn't hang out with them you don't know who they are but jesus went to his house he had dinner with them and just dinner with jesus the guy said i restore everything i repay everybody i give away half of my wealth if i've stolen anybody can come and say you stole from me i'll restore to them fourfold the guy's life was radically shifted just for one encounter just one dinner ha man He'd have a lineup of invites. Amazing. We've seen him. We've looked upon him. We were walking towards the gate of a city one day, and a funeral was coming out. And he stopped them, and he walked up, and he grabbed the casket. Don't touch dead things. Jesus, you're unclean. You see, when you're anointed, when you touch unclean things, they become clean. See, in the old covenant, you know, if you touch an unclean thing, it gets on you. In the new covenant, you're so saturated with life that your life gets on it. Jesus touched death, and he said, get up! And this widow, she was a widow. She already lost her husband. Now she loses her only son. Now I have nothing to look forward to. I'm going to be a beggar, just broken and hurting. And Jesus says, son, gives it back to mom. Boom. See, there's one thing. Funerals, everybody had to stop for funerals. But there was one thing in a Jewish culture that had to, even a funeral had to stop for this. And you know what that was? It was when the bridegroom was traveling to get his bride. Everything stops for that. And Jesus, as the bridegroom coming to bring humanity back to himself, every funeral's got to stop. Every messy thing in the world's got to stop. Everything's got to end. Emmanuel, God is with us. It's got to stop. COVID's got to stop. The march of death has to stop because the king of glory has touched our world. We really saw him. We really gazed upon him. We really experienced him. So we have seen him. I mean, he fed thousands. He, he calmed storms. He walked on water, turned water into wine. He, he restored women, restored. He touched lepers. This was so amazing. We saw some stuff that was radical, radical shifts. And we also saw that his hand, our hands have handled him. He says, my best friend and I actually, we hung around. We, I, my, I handled him. I handled God. My hands touch God. I, the one I'm telling you about who is God, very God, man, he became a man, God became a man, that one, God in the flesh, I handled him. I handled him. I, I had to change that. I was looking over my notes and I had handles instead of handled. And I said, my hands have handled. Hand, oh, sorry, my hands have handles. I was going, I have other handles, but not those. So, but just thought I'd throw that in for 
because it really happened to me. But, uh, but hey, enough about me. My hands have handled. He says, I would sit and eat with Jesus. And Jesus, I, he'd say, come here. I, I'd lean. We'd be on cushions on the floor at the table. And he'd say, John, come on, lean over here. And he would literally, he'd dip stuff. He'd feed me stuff. He'd say, John, you should try one of these. Here, try one of these. i just go, like, oh, thanks, Jesus. I mean, I had an amazing relationship with Jesus. You see, the one who used to, he is God, Jesus, hallelujah. I ate meals with him. He fed me with his own hands. Like, I mean, it's so amazing. This one that I handled, this one that I saw, this one that I heard. I mean, I mean, he, one day we were fishing and he goes, are you guys hungry? He made us breakfast. Like, he didn't go, let there be breakfast. <laughs> He made a fire. He got some fish. He cooked us breakfast. He said, guys, you got to try this. I was watching Food Channel the other day. And man, new way to do these kippers. Really awesome. You're going to love it. Like, he made us breakfast. Who wouldn't love to have Jesus, almighty, loving, wonderful Savior, cook you a meal? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever, have you experienced, John's saying that's what I experienced. I experienced him, the real person. He was nuts about me. I love him and he loves me. And I've experienced incredible intimate fellowship with him. And so can you. I'm not writing this to tell you about what happened to me. I'm writing this because you can have the exact same most beautiful fellowship with him that I have. Joy to the world. A man came and became like us. God veiled himself in flesh so that we could have intimate fellowship with the Godhead forever. Woo! Thank you. Did, did Kristen just pinch you? She did. All right. Okay. All right. Got a second hallelujah. That was good. All right. So let's go on. Look at that. Let's do it. Enjoy the same fellowship. See, koinonia, that's the word that's used. Koinonia means intimacy, communion, joint participation, and intercourse. You can have the same fellowship, a part of the family of God in complete union with the Godhead, attached to the greatest community ever, forever experiencing oneness with Christ. I have become one spirit with Jesus. Not I'm going to be, or through 25 wonderful acts, through 10 hoops jumping through, through, you know, three turtle doves and five golden arches and a turtle in a tree. That's a song, isn't it? No, it's done. Everything necessary for me to be in Christ and experience union, be one flesh with him, it's done. I just simply say, yes, thank you. It's so awesome. So you can have that too. And look what it leads to. It leads to chara, which means gladness, cheerfulness, to experience exceeding great joy. John said, I'm writing this to you. I'm telling you about what I personally experienced because I want you to be flooded with joy. Is he done yet? Gladness, cheerfulness, to experience exceeding great joy. A living, abiding relationship with Jesus will give you joy on the inside that will never fail no matter what is happening in your life. Hey! Woo! Man. Isn't he awesome? Isn't he good? That's mine. You know what? There's a lot of stuff that's happening I'm not happy about. 
Amen. Yeah, thank you, God, for today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Man, you know what? I don't know what's happening in your world, and it might be bad. And I know people in our community right now are facing really bad stuff. But I want you to know in the face of that, you can have joy. And you know why you need joy? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you need strength to face what's happening, there's a message about a God who invaded every circumstance. He became, who was so very rich, became so very poor that he could lift you up and bring you into the most beautiful community ever. And that is the joyful message of Christmas. Amen. 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 Jesus totally manifests God. I have. I have fully experienced him. You can have the same intimacy. It'll fill you with great joy. Come on. Join the family.